This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're continuing our sermon series through the book of Acts. We're now in Acts chapter 10 and 11. And I'd like to read to you uh, this interaction that, that God has with Peter, helping to expand his idea of, of who God died for, of who God loves. And this will be the focus for our sermon this morning. God speaking to him through these kosher dietary laws to expand his vision of, of who God loves. Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, criticized Peter and said, you went to the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts and reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was all pulled up again to heaven. Right then three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me. And we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, it's not an accident that we are here today. So I pray that you would open our eyes to see your word, but also open our eyes to see all the people in our community and then to love everyone as you have loved us. And don't let me, your servant, get in the way of what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Amen. Victory was started in 2006. I know that because that was the same year I started attending seminary on the north side of Milwaukee. And I remember coming to Victory, actually, uh, Pastor Ben Kurt, the founding pastor, uh, had me preach as I was kind of learning what it meant to be a pastor at Polonia Soccer Club, where where you guys were meeting in the beginning. And I was so excited to hear from from Pastor Ben Kurth about the, the mission of this church, that this church was established to to reach people that nobody else was reaching. And, and it continues to be that now 13 years 
later. And that's really the focus of this sermon series, Welcome to Victory. What we're doing in this sermon series is is going back to our our mission and vision, looking at them again, clarifying the wording. And and we did this as a leadership team a few months ago. We we got together and looked over our mission and and core values and updated some of the, the wording. But here's what we found, that really not much has changed since this church was founded. This church has always been trying to fulfill this mission of reaching today's people with Christ's victory. And then a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, we talked about the core values of our church, that we're trying to be a church that's welcoming. And ever since this church was started, we've tried to be a, a welcoming congregation. And then last week, Pastor Bill talked about how we want to be a church that one of our core values is being joyful, even having fun. And that's a core value of our church. That's something that we've been trying to do since the beginning. Not much has changed. And then today, I'll be focusing on one of our core values as a church, connected. That we are a church that wants to be connected with our community. Uh, We want to be culturally engaged. We want to be relevant. We want to be connected with our community. And that's something that we've tried to be ever since the founding of this church. So really not much has changed. So what has changed in the last 13 years? Pretty much everything else. (laughs) Right? So this church started in 2006 It was 2007 when Steve Jobs launched the first iPhone. It was 2007 when Facebook left college campuses to the rest of the world. It was 2007 that Twitter became its own company. The iPhone, Facebook, Twitter. Do you think those three things have had any impact on our culture since they started? Things have changed, haven't they? Right? And we as a church have tried to, to, to adapt also. So we try to connect with people, how they communicate through technology and through social media. Uh, we're trying to adapt. But I think there's something that has changed in our community and in our country that has had a greater impact on the Christian church than even uh, that technology. That's something called the rise of the nuns. Nuns are, are, are people who, who identify themselves as no religious affiliation. They say, you know, I'm not Lutheran, I'm not Catholic, I'm not Baptist, I'm not Christian, I'm not Muslim, I'm not Buddhist. I have no religious bones in my body. I'm not religious. Uh, maybe atheist or agnostic or just nothing at all. That group of people who categorize themselves as nuns has dramatically increased. In fact, there was a a study done by the Pew Research um, Group, and and what they found is back in 2007, again, the year after this church was founded, 16% of the adults in the U.S. said, I'm a nun. Seven years later, millions, millions of more people, up to 23% of adults, said that they have no religious affiliation. That was back in 2014. What do you think the numbers probably look like today, 2019? This is the fastest demographic in the United States right now. It's called the rise of the nuns. Now, now maybe you're thinking, um, 
Yeah, I knew it was bad. I knew people were walking away from Christianity or established religion. I knew that was happening, but I didn't realize it was happening that dramatically, that this was the fastest growing demographic in our population. There's probably a reason for that. I think as I got to know many of you in our congregation and, and people who come here, um, many of you kind of grew up like me, that, that we have some maybe kind of religious background in our families or in our households. And I've also found this out too, you know, people who grew up in, in the Milwaukee area or the greater Milwaukee area or, or the Midwest, we kind of um, have lots of family and people around us. And so for those different reasons, lots of times we're kind of maybe insulated from what's really going on in the larger culture We probably aren't as affected or or see that rising demographic. But if we are going to call ourselves a church that's connected with our community, we have to be connected with our actual community. And in our community, there's a huge group of people that are probably not even on our radar. So what are we going to do about it? Well, the good news is we don't have to come up with the answer all on our own. We can go back to God's word and we're going to continue our sermon series through the book of Acts and we're going to focus especially on Peter. Peter was one of the the main people in the early Christian church. He was one of Jesus' leading disciples or followers, apostles. And at the beginning of the book of Acts, um, which tells us the story of how the early Christian church got started, Jesus is meeting with his disciples, with Peter and the others, for the last time before he ascends into heaven. And he gives them their mission. He says, you, Peter, and the rest of you apostles, you are going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Peter hears that, but I don't know if he understood it exactly, what it meant to be a witness to the ends of the earth. Because as we continue to read in the book of Acts, Peter really kind of just stayed where he was and talked with people who were like him, people of the same race, of the same background, of the same upbringing, people who were like him. Even on the great day of Pentecost, maybe you heard about this, that there were all sorts of people from all different nations coming into uh, Jerusalem for this harvest festival. And Peter preaches this message and 3,000 people from all different nations become Christians. Except when you look at the details, you find out that all these people who came from all these nations were Jews from all the different nations. And so Peter is still only reaching out to people who are like him culturally, ethnically, religiously, the same kind of background. It's not until Acts chapter 10 where God opens Peter's eyes and explains what it really means to be a witness to the ends of the earth. And that's what we're going to be focusing on here today. I had a professor who told me this is probably one of the most important chapters in the Bible when it comes to seeing, um, seeing what the mission of the church really is. But it's kind of weird. You need to know some cultural background. You kind of need to know what's going on because God gives Peter a strange vision. Let me see if we can walk through this and make sense of it. So it says that, that Peter was in the city of Joppa and he's waiting for the afternoon meal to get ready. And he's hungry, and he goes up on the roof to pray. That was pretty common uh, architecture in, in the Middle East, to have a flat roof. You go up on the roof, and he goes up on the roof to pray. And I don't know if he's just so hungry or what, but he kind of falls into this trance. And God comes to him in a vision. 
and God speaks with him. And, and it's a strange vision. Um, it's a vision that happens three times. So this wasn't just a hallucination. God wanted to, to be sure, like you're getting this message. But the vision was that this sheet came out of heaven and comes down and it's got all these different kinds of animals in it. That's kind of strange. It comes down three times. The sheet comes down filled with all different types of animals. And, and God says to Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, what is this all about? Well, God gave the the nation of Israel, certain dietary laws. They were called, uh, today you might hear them called kosher laws. And so if you go in the grocery store, you might see food that's kosher. It it means clean. It means means, um, according to the Jewish Old Testament laws found especially in Leviticus chapter 11. And and in Leviticus chapter 11, God told uh, his people what they could eat and couldn't eat. And so um, certain foods like um, shellfish and pork and other types of food were called unclean. And, and, and Peter has this vision that many of those unclean animals are in the sheet and it comes on and he says, now you can eat them. And he's thinking, I've never been able to eat this. Why can I eat this now? What is this all about? Well, you see, it's pretty complicated, but here's basically how I think I can say it in the simplest way possible. God wanted to use everything in the life of his people to teach them spiritual truths. Everything, even their diet. He wanted to teach them spiritual truths from everything that they were doing. It was, it was like a, a visual aid, everything that they did, even their diet. And here's what God essentially wanted Israel to know. That God is holy. That God is set apart. That God is pure. That God is clean. That God is perfect. And all human beings of every different nation, because of Adam and Eve, and because the sin that's been passed on generation to generation, human beings are unclean, imperfect, sinful people unable to to be one with God. And so God chose the nation of Israel, not because they're any different, but out of grace, he chose the nation of Israel. He set them apart for a specific purpose to bring the Savior into the world, that that Jesus was going to come through the Jews and to separate Israel from the rest of the world, to teach the world about who God was. God used everything, even food, to separate them from the rest of the world and to teach them about how holy and perfect and good God was. But now that Jesus had come, that those laws, those dietary laws, no longer were needed. Jesus was here. The fulfillment of, of all of those rituals was here, and those laws were no longer needed But Peter didn't understand that yet. And so God spoke to Peter in this very profound statement in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, when Peter is saying, I've never eaten unclean foods. I've never never eaten um, non-kosher foods before. I've never had pork before. I've never had shellfish. I'm not going to eat these things. And then the Lord speaks to Peter and says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. There's a lot in that verse right there. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
Now, Peter's trying to understand what this is all about. He's trying to figure this out. What is this all about? What does this mean? Um, I can eat non-kosher foods now. I can have a pork sandwich. Like, what does this all mean now? He's trying to figure this all out. And then there's this knock on the door at that moment. And some non-kosher Gentiles, who in the past he would never have have eaten with or spoken with, they knock on his door and they said, "Um, we want you to come with us. And as Peter's trying to figure out what this all means, he, he goes with them and he goes to the house of Cornelius, this Roman official, this Roman um, leader of, of, of some of the Roman soldiers. He goes into their house and, and he just senses that God is with this group, that, that God is here. And he, he has this profound statement. He says to, to, to Cornelius, this Roman centurion, he says, you are well aware that it is against our law for Jews to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Peter's getting the picture here. God's not so concerned about Peter's dietary laws or what he's eating. He's, he's concerned about something bigger. He's trying to teach him uh, uh, something bigger. Not only is he able to eat non-kosher foods, he's able to hang out with non-kosher people. Not only has God called all foods clean, God has made all people clean in Jesus Christ. And this kind of is blowing his mind. He's just opening up to this whole new world that wasn't even on his radar before. And so he asked Cornelius, he says, all right, how did I get here? Why did you call for me? What, what were you thinking? How did this all happen? And Cornelius says to him, he says, well, I had this vision from God and God told me to go get you, Peter, and that you were in Joppa and that you were supposed to come here and tell me all about this new life and about Jesus. But how is supposed to be saved? And Peter is just blown away. Peter was thinking, yeah, um, I'm an apostle I'm a disciple of Jesus, and, and it's pretty amazing, but, but I would expect that I would get a vision from God. But you, Cornelius, you got a vision from God? God spoke directly to you, a Gentile? And then Peter says something to explain this whole new way of thinking. Peter says this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now get it that God has no favorites. Now, this doesn't mean that, um, you know, it's okay, God loves you anyway, it doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter how you live. No, it's just this idea that God loves all people, and now Peter wanted to explain what that meant. So he starts preaching to these people. Cornelius and all of his family and friends who are gathered in this home, he starts preaching to them, calling them to repentance, telling them about Jesus, that Jesus came into this world, um, did miracles and signs and wonders because he's from, from God, and he lived a perfect life and died on the cross for all of your sins and, and rose again. And as Peter's as Peter's preaching this message, the Holy Spirit comes on Cornelius and his family and they start speaking in tongues and they start uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, let's get these people baptized. And he baptizes all of them, the whole family and all, all the people that are gathered in his house and they're saved. Now this is a brand new way of thinking for Peter. All of a sudden, 
a, a huge whole new demographic that was never on his radar are, are people that are on his radar. This whole um, non-Jewish world is now people that he is called to witness to, that he found out that God actually loves and, and cares for. Brand new idea. And I think it might be a brand new idea for us. Now, I know we know that, that God loves all people and Jesus died on the cross for all people, but we don't always live that way. I don't think we always live that way. I, I think we might think, well, well there, surely there's a little bit of distinction. Surely, you know, somebody like me, maybe if I grew up going to the church or, or I, I have, you know, the right kind of family or take care of people a little bit better than other people, surely I, uh, you know, God loves me maybe just a little bit more than somebody else. And, 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 but, but God is showing us here, he has no favorites. And that's our first fill in the blank. So if you're doing the fill in the blank in our worship folder, the first fill in the blank is God has no favorites. God has no favorites. God um, doesn't prefer one race over another. God doesn't prefer one background over another. God doesn't prefer one educational background over another. He doesn't prefer some, somebody who lives in a certain neighborhood or a certain economic status. He's got no favorites. He, he doesn't love um, anybody here more than he loves somebody who's got no religious affiliation. God has no favorites. When Jesus came to die for the sins of the world, that included every single person. His forgiveness covers everybody, whether they believe it or not. Maybe we could think of it this way. Uh, in spring, summer, and fall, when you drive into our neighborhood, you're going to see quite a bit of a distinction when it comes to people's front lawns, right? <laughs> Some people in some neighborhoods or some houses in, in our neighborhood, um, you know, they're treating their lawn. They just got this bright, shiny green lawn. They're, there's no weeds in their lawn. You know, you see them out there with like practically a scissors, making sure there's not one piece of grass that's taller than another. You know, their flowers are always in bloom and they're always well watered. And then there's my house, right? <laughs> Where, you know, there's some weeds that are growing up and, and we're trying our best, but, um, you know, it's not perfectly trimmed. Or, or you know, um, you, you see some yards that may have some garbage left out or some kids' toys are left out or, or all sorts of things. But then November 1st comes and you get your first blanket of snow, right? <laughs> and snow is the great equalizer in our community, Right? Everybody's yard looks the same. They're all clean. There's no distinction. There's no distinction between houses, between landscape, between front yards. It's all clean. In fact, the Bible says it this way. Though your sins are as red as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Sure, there are differences. You know, we have different talents and backgrounds, educational background, different likes or dislikes. There's differences, but before God, there is no difference in this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody that can say, I don't need God's forgiveness. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So God decided to have mercy on all. And he lived for all. And he died for all. And there is no difference. God has had mercy on all. He has no favorites. Now you know that. Hopefully now you believe that. Maybe you didn't know that coming in. Maybe you thought, maybe, you know, the guy sitting next to me, the gal sitting next to me, yeah, they're pulling it off. God loves them a little bit more. But I just came from a bad weekend, a bad night, a bad thing going on in my life. Um, surely I can't be forgiven. 
But God has no favorites. His forgiveness is like that blanket of snow covering everybody. Now you know that, but your neighbor might not. This huge demographic that's growing astronomically of the no religious affiliation, the nuns, they probably don't know that. And so here's the application, what God was trying to teach Peter, what God is trying to teach us. What we want to put in practice, number two, connect with your actual community. If we really want to call ourselves a church that's connected with our community, we need to connect with our actual community. We need to start seeing our actual community. We need to start seeing this demographic that might, in the past, might not have been on our radar the people that we see at work and the people that are in our neighborhood, the people we see when we go into the grocery store, the people that are in our families that, that maybe we just kind of ignored. We had our blinders up. Um, but, but now God is calling us to connect with our actual community, that this new gra- demographic of people are on our radar. So how do you actually do that? Well, I had a professor that was kind of unique. Um, I think he would tell you he was unique too. Um, he, he was our professor of outreach. And when I went into to class, every day when I went into class, he would have a, a picture up on the screen from the movie The Sixth Sense. Do you remember that movie back in 1999? And in that movie, the movie was about a boy who could see dead people. It's kind of a weird thing to put, have you start class thinking about, but that's kind of what he did. He put that up on the screen and, and underneath it said the famous line from the movie, I see dead people. And what he was trying to teach us is is we need to be open to see the people that nobody else has seen. That we need to be open to see the people who are spiritually dead in our community. And then he would begin every class with a story about how he he would try as a pastor connect with people that nobody was connecting with, see the people that nobody else was seeing. And although it was kind of a strange illustration, it kind of makes our point, doesn't it? In fact, there's this line in that movie where the boy, Cole, is speaking to his counselor, Bruce Willis, and he's telling him about this gift that he has. And, it's, and, and he says it this way. He says, I see dead people walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they are dead. I think they want me to help them. And I pray that somehow God would get a hold of our hearts and maybe we could say something similar, something like this. I see spiritually dead people walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're spiritually dead. I think God wants me to help them. So how do we do that? What would be some practical steps? Now, it's easy for me to preach this from from this space, but it's hard to put into practice. How do you actually live this out where you start to see people and you start to love people like God loves them? Well, here are maybe three practical ways to do it. Number one, Ask God to open your eyes to see spiritually dead people that weren't on your radar before. These people who weren't on your radar before because that's what God did for you. All of us by nature are spiritually dead. There's no favorites. There's nobody who's who's pulling this off. All of us by nature were spiritually dead and God saw us and died for us. Ask God to open up our eyes that we would see the people that he loves, the people he died for. Number two, Be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, God broke into the lives of Cornelius and Peter in a very dramatic way. He gave a vision to Cornelius, the soldier. He gave a vision to Peter. And I don't know, uh, you're probably not going to get a special dream from God that's that's not very common. But maybe you could still pray, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. 
Be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to see the people he places in front of you that maybe you wouldn't have seen before, that you would see the people you weren't seen before to care for them and to love them. And then number three, connect with your community in your own way. Love people the way God has loved you, but, but love people according to how you're made. You know, Peter was a preacher, and so when he spoke to the people, he preached, he talked. Some of you are talkers, right? I'm a talker. Some of you are talkers, and so love people by talking with them, by listening to them. That, maybe that's your spiritual gift, but maybe some of you may be more introverted. And so to love the people in your community, to love the actual people in your community, maybe you're a gift giver. And you're going to give that coworker a gift that you know is going through a really hard time. You're going to let them know that you see them. Maybe you're the kind of person who's a listener. You're just kind and gentle. And, and you're one of the few people left in our world that actually listens to people. And so you know that, that your neighbor, friend, your coworker, somebody who maybe doesn't know Jesus um, is hurting right now. And you're just going to be that shoulder that they can cry on. This is what it means to be a part of victory. When we say welcome to victory, this is what we're welcoming you to, a mission that God has given us to connect with people that nobody else is connecting with. Uh, to, to reach today's people with Christ's victory. To connect with our actual community. It's just that our community is changing. Dramatically. Every day. And there are some things that aren't going to change. Jesus is not going to change. God's word is not going to change. Our mission is not going to change. Our, our love for God's people are, is not going to change. But the community is changing. And so we need to change. And so we ask God, lead us to connect with our actual community with Christ's love. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Open our eyes to see the people we used to not see. The people that are in our, our job, our workplace, in our neighborhoods, the people that, that we did not see before. We had our blinders up. Open our eyes to see. Christ Jesus, open up our hearts to love those people with the love that, that you gave us first, to, to love people as you love them. And then Heavenly Father, give us the gifts to, to love people, to reach people according to your word. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.